everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. Because most redraft leagues don't play in Week 18, this episode will take an early look at 2022 draft rankings with the top 12, and then I'll hit on players to invest in for Dynasty Leagues at each position. As always, you can find our full rankings if you happen to play in Week 18 on wolfsports.com, and we'll be happy to answer any questions through Fantasy Consigliere. All right, let's get into the preliminary 2022 draft rankings. At number one, no surprise, Jonathan Taylor. He's been a machine this season. He won't turn 23 until later this month, and I'm not at all concerned about the heavy workload this season impacting him. The Colts this year had a late bye, but Taylor still said he felt fresh, and he's been dominating in 2021, despite some injuries and absences on the offensive line. Many experts were fading Taylor for whatever reason this season, but we had him ranked as a top five pick in redraft leagues, and he should be the top choice in the summer. At number two, Derrick Henry. The only concern is the foot injury being the start of him potentially breaking down, but I think it's more of a fluke thing. He was still on pace for his best season yet before the injury. He had, I think, three three touchdown games. He had at least a couple of them. And it's crazy that to show how good Henry's season was in 2020, Jonathan Taylor's had an insane year himself, and he's still not going to touch Henry's 2,027 rushing yards, and he's having an extra game to do it. Henry doesn't bring the pass-catching upside that others do, but we didn't even get to see him late in the season this year, and he's arguably the top option when December comes and fantasy playoffs begin, so Henry's definitely worth a top-two pick next year. At number three, Christian McCaffrey. He remained a cheat code when on the field this year, but 10 games over the past two seasons puts him behind Taylor and Henry. I would hope the focus for him this offseason is more about durability rather than getting in the best possible shape as he almost seemed too focused on bulking up. And McCaffrey, who was never small to begin with, was at his best, with a style similar to Taylor now, and that he never seemed to tire or get worn down. So we'll see if McCaffrey is able to pick up some of that magic and return to being a high-end RB1 that rarely leaves the field. Number four, someone who won't leave the field. You can make a case for him being number three, Najee Harris. His rookie year feels very similar to Le'Veon Bell's to me. Like Bell, he had a yards per carry average in the threes, but then Bell exploded for the best season of his career in year two, and Najee can have the same happen with him. Quarterback would be the big question mark here, but knowing how good of a franchise the Steelers are, I'm sure they'll find a way to find at least a solid answer. And Harris feels like he might be undervalued because of those who will look at the numbers and say he wasn't efficient as a rookie, but the eye test tells you that he's a difference maker. And 2,000 total yards is definitely a possibility based on his dual threat skill set. Rounding out the top five, Joe Mixon. He's somewhat quietly having an exceptional season with 1,500 total yards and 16 total touchdowns. The main frustration with him is sometimes he has a lack of receiving usage, but he's had 14 targets over the past two games. Undoubtedly, his skill set could make him one of the best receiving backs in the league if utilized. So hopefully the recent usage is a sign of things to come. And the Cincinnati offense is definitely an ascending unit. So Mixon is a safe pick in the first round with high end upside if the pass game usage increases for the full season. Now is where I'll say things probably get shaky some. The order can definitely flip over the next several months. But for now, I'll go with Nick Chubb. Last night against the Steelers when he was barely used doesn't make me any more confident about this spot. But he's averaging at least five yards per carry in every season for his career. He'll still be running behind an elite offensive line, and I would expect quarterback play, whether it's Baker Mayfield getting healthy or the team deciding to make a move at the position, 
will lead to more offensive success for the Browns and hopefully more scoring opportunities for Chubb. The team getting a more mobile quarterback, especially, would open up running lanes for Chubb. I'd say Deshaun Watson is a possibility. I personally wouldn't want Watson, but I could see Cleveland thinking their window is now making a move. So for now, I have Chubb optimistically as a top six option. At number seven, Dalvin Cook. The Vikings could also have some changes. I guess Kirk Cousins' contract will have him back, but it wouldn't be a surprise if somehow the team completely blew things up. And also Alexander Madison and Ken A. Wong Wu both might get more work next year. But on the bright side, the young offensive line should be better in 2022. And Cook is obviously one of the best running backs in football. At number eight, Alvin Kamara. 2021 was easily the worst season of his career. First time without 80 receptions, and he was all the way down to 45 with one game to go. The monster workloads that he had early in the year fell off. But like Cook, he's one of the best running backs in the league, and there's still optimism that he can reach high-end RB1 status based on his talent in Sean Payton's offense. And the Saints are another team that quarterback will definitely be a factor, depending on what they do this offseason. At number nine, Devontae Adams. I have him here with the expectation Aaron Rodgers will be back. It does seem more likely that will be the case as the season has progressed. And whether or not he plays this week against the Lions, Adams has had at least 111 receptions, 1,374 yards, and 11 touchdowns in three of the past four years. Cooper Cup was a better option this season and could definitely be ranked even as a top five pick. But I'll have a little more confidence in Adams if he's again catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. Number 10, Austin Eckler. He basically had Alvin Kamara-type production this season with close to 1,500 total yards and 18 total touchdowns. Still has one game to go with the season finale on Sunday night. Eckler should get a boost in full PPR leagues. And like the aforementioned Bengals, Los Angeles is an ascending offense, so Eckler has some stability in terms of scoring opportunities. Number 11, Cooper Cup. Again, a case can be made as him being the overall wide receiver one and even a top five pick. He's had at least 92 receiving yards in all but one game this season. He's likely taking the triple crown in terms of receptions, yards, and touchdowns this year. But I guess personally have more doubts about Matthew Stafford. And it wouldn't be surprising to see the Rams be more run-heavy in 2022, especially if Stafford doesn't get it done this month. Then to finish off the top 12, Jamar Chase. The biggest mistake in our 2021 draft rankings was moving him down based on the preseason. If you remember, he had concerns piling up with drop passes and preseason games. And then he was kind of a meme by saying the NFL ball is different than the college ball. Tougher to see because it doesn't have the stripes on the ends. We originally had him as a top 20 option at wide receiver before moving him down based on those concerns. But he started the year hot and is ending it with scorching numbers. I wouldn't say his NFL comparison is A.J. Brown. I compared him to Torrey Holt but he's similar to Brown in that his smoothness makes him appear not as fast, but he consistently runs away from defenders. And the Bengals should remain a pass-happy offense, so Chase has overall wide receiver one upside, catching passes from his college quarterback. So that's just the top 12. We'll have full rankings released after this season at some point. So now let's move on to Dynasty content. I'll give four players at each position that I would invest in. We updated the rankings yesterday. And we try to update them every couple of weeks, but at least once a month on wolfsports.com. So if you aren't subscribed and you play in a dynasty league, it's definitely a good reason to be subscribed through the offseason. Starting at quarterback and there for every position are quite a few second year players. But first up, 
Trevor Lawrence. The main takeaway, I would say, for Dynasty Leagues in particular is betting on talent, and Lawrence shouldn't be counted out based on his rookie year. Jacksonville will need to hit on additions at offensive line and out wide, and I think he's still a borderline QB1 with upside for more if his legs are more of a factor under the next coaching staff. So if you have Lawrence, I'd be sitting tight and hoping the Jags finally make a good decision in terms of who is leading the franchise. Next option, Zach Wilson. He's in a better spot than Lawrence with a young supporting cast to grow with, including Elijah Moore. Corey Davis was signed to be a number one. They showed good chemistry to begin the season. And Michael Carter at running back. We can hope Mekhi Becton is healthy at left tackle next year, and the team will make more additions this offseason. But Wilson is a dual threat playmaker, great arm talent, and hopefully the system is opened up in year two. And then another second-year quarterback before getting to a veteran, Trey Lance. This is all about him getting an opportunity to play in Kyle hand system. He'll be used heavily as a runner. And even if Jimmy Garoppolo is back, that would present an even better buying opportunity for Lance. I thought the Niners should have taken Mac Jones, but I still had Lance as worthy of a top 10 pick in the draft. And in terms of fantasy production, he has high-end QB1 upside, especially throwing to a core group of playmakers with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. Then finally, Marcus Mariota. He's set to be a free agent. And teams would be crazy if they don't give him a starting opportunity. Washington is a team that immediately comes to mind. But Mariota is still young. can still do damage as a runner. And I think people have underrated his talent since coming into the league. Remember he beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs a few years ago. And in the right system, Mariota can definitely thrive. Considering how cheap he is in Dynasty League right now, he's definitely someone I'd be buying if available. Now for the running backs. First, Saquon Barkley. Things aren't looking good at all for the Giants but they'll have potentially two top 10 picks. And I'd say it might be a good idea to invest both of them in offensive linemen. There are ready-made options in the draft. Evan Neal from Alabama has played three positions for the Crimson Tide and Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. And then suddenly you have three building blocks, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Neal could play left guard, right tackle, and Linderbaum at center. But no matter what the Giants do, Upgrading the offensive line has to be priority number one. So I still have high hopes for Barkley in a contract year, finding his way back into the RB1 ranks. Now for someone that we haven't seen in the regular season, Travis Etienne. Unfortunately, James Robinson will be coming off an Achilles injury. So Etienne, who should be healthy well before camp, will have an opportunity to be the lead back. And I was very high on the talent coming out of Clemson. I compared him to Alvin Kamara. He even has some Chris Johnson to his game with breakaway speed. And as someone that already had a lot of doubters entering the league, Etienne is probably cheaper than he should be based on the talent. So he's at least worth checking into if you weren't able to get him last season. Another second-year running back, second-year player, Trey Sermon. I've talked about him a bunch dating back to the first episode. He really only had one game with an expanded opportunity this year. But while Elijah Mitchell looks like the lead back and probably will be the starter next year, I wouldn't write off Sermon, who might be a fit with whatever... Kyle Shanahan has a door with Trey Lance at quarterback. To me, Sermon is the best reminder to bet on talent, invest in talent. If you want a recent example, Damian Harris had four carries for 12 yards as a rookie, and now he's one of the best running backs in the league. I think he has 13 or 14 touchdowns this season. So with Sermon maybe even being free in some leagues, I'd definitely be investing and hoping he's unleashed in 2022. For the final running back, Sony Michelle. He's turned into the clear lead back for Los Angeles down the stretch, but people still seem to have a higher opinion on Daryl Henderson than they do Michelle. 
So even with Cam Akers returning, I like Michelle as a borderline top 30 option at running back. Aside from the toughness he's bought to Sean McVay's offense, Michelle can also catch the ball out of the backfield, although he hasn't really been given much of an opportunity, and also pass protect at a high level. So again, with the Rams potentially being a more run-heavy offense next season, if Michelle is back, he's the favorite to be the RB2, potentially with a big role behind Cam Akers. Now for the wide receivers, a couple of possible free agents to start. Mike Williams with the Chargers. Because they have a lot of cap space, I would expect LA to bring him back. But no matter where he goes, Williams is a high-end talent with the ability to lead the league in receiving touchdowns if his targets were to increase either with the Chargers or with another team. The inconsistency was frustrating this year, but I think he might have been dealing with some sort of injury after the hot start. And there was even some production left on the field, either with some drops or Justin Herbert being just off on a throw. And I think Williams is in a good spot, whether it's staying with Herbert or going somewhere where he'll be paid as a clear number one wide receiver. Next up, Allen Robinson. He was one of the major disappointments of 2021, but that presents a buying opportunity. And I'm assuming money might be the number one factor for his next team. But I also think he'll want to go somewhere where he could put up numbers after this year's disappointment. If Robinson happens to land somewhere with a top-end signal caller, there's no reason to believe he won't be able to emerge as a wide receiver one option in the prime of his career. Now back to a second-year player, Rondale Moore. The start to a season seemed like he could even be a weekly wide receiver two. It's a little curious that his usage dropped off, but he was still a second-round pick by Arizona. And durability is really the only concern with him dating back to his time at Purdue. Next season, there's a chance he's the number two wideout behind DeAndre Hopkins. And I love his upside, along with potentially a high floor if that were to be the case. He could easily be a guy that catches 80 passes to go along with game-breaking ability that could be the difference in any given week. And finally, another guy I haven't talked about as much as Trey Sermon, but Denzel Mims, I still believe in the talent with him. I think he needs to get with a new team in order to unlock his potential. Personally, I thought the fit with Zach Wilson would have been perfect, but the Jets seemed to have soured on Mims without really giving him a chance. Sometimes wideouts take a little bit of time to transition to the next level, though, and Mims has the size and athleticism to at least be a very good number two wide receiver, and I'm hopeful he'll land somewhere where he gets a chance to prove himself. Now finishing off with the tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, he showed no signs of slowing down, and as I believe I said before the season, the all-time records at tight end are very much in play. So with Antonio Brown done, Chris Godwin entering free agency, though hopefully he'll be back, and Gronk's history with Tom Brady, he could remain a top five option at tight end for 2022, and the consensus has him much lower than that. For the next two, it's basically the same story. Mike Kosicki and David Njoku, they each can hit free agency, and if they land in a better situation, for Gusicki being more of a threat in the red zone, and for Njoku having a full-time role, they should each see a huge jump in terms of fantasy value. They're two great examples of betting on talent. I'm very high on both Kasiki and Njoku, so I'd be targeting them in Dynasty Leagues. And then as mentioned, there are quite a few developmental prospects at the position. I'll highlight Trey McKitty for the Chargers. He could be more of a two-year investment. He didn't produce much as a rookie, had very limited production at Georgia, but the size and athleticism are both there. He's already a very good blocker, which could eventually lead to a full-time role, and he'll be catching passes from Justin Herbert if eventually unleashed. So McKitty may be not a great option for 2022, but if you can have patience, I really like him as an end-of-bench stash with potential dividends being paid starting in 2023. You can find our full Dynasty rankings at wolfsports.com, and they'll be updated all throughout the offseason, which is the reason to subscribe if you aren't already. And that will conclude this episode. Thank you for the support all year. Until next season, 
I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy and Singularity Podcast.